And uh, and for me, that's one of the myths of these movements is that it, the idea is that if somebody would just finally affirm me, then I could be released to be who I'm supposed to be and I would feel free and fulfilled. And I would say that's a lie. Uh, that's deception. That, that no, the only time you're really going to be free and fulfilled is when as a created being, created by God, uh, you begin to walk in the way that he's created you to operate. Mm. And when you operate within um, the the owner's instructions that you will be most fulfilled and gratified and um, and so that's, again, I would just come back to say, let's, let's trust God in this and let's take steps in that direction. Welcome to the Sandhills Podcast. My name is Pastor John. Today on the show, to kick off season two, we have Pastor Dr. Reverend Jeffrey Philpot in the house today. Welcome back to the show. Hey, well, thanks for inviting me. I uh, appreciate it. I'm glad to be here and fun topic today. It is. It is. This is actually one of the most sought after questions. When we put it out to the people who are listening and we said, hey, what would you like to hear us discuss? What do you think the church at large should be discussing more? The, uh, sexuality, uh, gender identity, um, engagement with the homosexual community, LGBTQ+. That was, these were the most requested topics. So over the next sure. couple of days, uh, next couple episodes, we'll be covering these things, um, and we hope that you guys benefit from it. If you're interested in these conversations, uh, like, subscribe, follow us so that you can stay up to date on how we talk about these things. And today we'll really be diving into that idea of human sexuality and kind of lay a framework for those next few episodes. But right. I'm excited. Yeah, I, that's going to be a fun topic. Yeah. I mean, how could this go wrong? That's the right. thing I would ask, you know. And, it's, and, and that is one of the big parts of this conversation is that it feels... I feel like one of the reasons people don't talk about it enough is because they're scared to approach it because you feel like it could be misconstrued or misunderstood right. or you take a sound bite that sounds bad and then you're canceled. Well, yeah, and the thing about sexuality, of course, is it is one of the most natural things that, that God has given to us. Mm. Everybody is wired for it. Uh, it is something that all of us want to experience at least at some point in our life. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're a guy, probably, you know, often for the rest of your life, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, obviously natural human inclination. <laughs> it is, 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 so, is how it is. And the church has had such a rough history with this. If we could just throw mm -hmm. that in there that uh, it gets difficult, but uh, maybe we're in a day where we can talk about it a little more openly. So mm -hmm. it should be good. Well, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word human sexuality? Yeah. So I, the first thing I think of is just in the very basic context of uh, like procreation or pleasure uh, or intimacy, uh, just to, it's the expression of our body where we um, bond deeply with another person and mm. uh, it connects us not just on a physical level, which is pleasurable, but on a soul level uh, where something begins to develop that wouldn't develop any other way. Mm. That's a good answer. Oh, thanks. That's a good answer, man. I was, like, I was like, wow, I'm really taking that. That's like, awesome. And, th and these are the things because a lot of times the words can get confused uh, mm -hmm. with sexuality, with gender identity, with gender roles. All these things that our society seems to be paying much more attention to very quickly, you know, right. where they weren't 15, 20 years ago. Right. But in the last five years or so has become a huge topic. So I think that's a, that's a great way to describe the idea of human sexuality. So how would, that kind of talks about the definition of sexuality, but how do you think, you know, scripture and God view sexuality? Yeah, so I think if I was just going to, it would be similar to the things I, I just said, but right. within the framework of what God has established. And of course, the framework he has established for sexuality 
is in the context of marriage. And so Mm -hmm. for him, there's this component of it in the context of a a married relationship. And to be clear, it is not not people who are planning to marry uh, or who are engaged to be married. Mm -hmm. It is is exclusively for those who um, have taken the vow and and been recognized as as legally married. Um, And then all of those other things are, are the fruit of it. Unfortunately, meaning then the counter to that is anything outside of the context by which our creator established is a um, distorted version of it. Mm. And so the things that you're shooting for uh, become ends in themselves. And so, I, you know, I want pleasure, but that really becomes the end. And so mm. sexual intimacy becomes about me mm-hmm. and uh, not as much about the other person. Or um, it, it, be, it just becomes self-serving in, in other ways. And so it becomes a fleshly pursuit rather than a, a God-ordained gift. And so I would say that we need to look at scripture that, that begins to unpack uh, sexuality a bit. We'll do that as we go forward mm-hmm. here. I know we have some other questions, so I'll, yeah. I'll bring some of that out. Yeah, that's what, And that's such a good point with that idea that sexuality, one of the things that sin has done to it is focus it completely on this on self and self-gratification and, and only filling yourself up and pursuit of pleasure as pretty much the highest thing that you can pursue. Right. And I think one of the ways that you really see that is the statistics that there are about pornography these days. Mm. Oh yeah, where we're, I mean, it's it is rampant, and I with think men and women. I mean, the, yeah, and is. the women things a newer, not new now, but newer uh, mm-hmm. over the past you know decade or two. Uh, it didn't used to be uh, as prolific among women. It was kind of a male thing, and now mm-hmm. it's it's kind of both directions. You know, and to fill something else out too, I, you had uh, asked about kind of this biblical version of sexuality. There was this. Um, group of pastors that got together a few years ago and they wrote this thing called the Nashville Statement Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a a, a nicknamed a coalition for biblical sexuality Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of big name pastors that I really respect were on there and so I would just say for anybody who's like I'd like to learn more about this and maybe even a biblical version of how God views sexuality and gender and all of that Mm -hmm. uh, I would recommend the the Nashville Statement to them and encourage them to go pick that up or you can find it online easily just google it yeah I'm so I remember that came out that was a big it was a big deal it was big in the church world yeah it was and even in the secular world they were very interested in what the church was saying because they're like oh what is the church saying about this Mm -hmm. yeah and you get very wide perspectives and it's it can be difficult because you see God approach it you know seemingly from a wide perspective that's right because we the inclination would to think, or the world might think, you know, you look at the church and you go, you know what, you know, sex is bad. They hate it. They don't want you to express yourself sexually. Right. Well, didn't you see God in an entire book? The Bible's dedicated to Song of Solomon, which is about sex. Right. Within well, its yeah, proper it, context. It's super ironic too, because God's the one who created it. So it, right. it's like, we know more about this thing than God created. You're yeah. like, no, he made this thing, you know, like he knows more about it than mm-hmm. you would ever know, which actually it ties into part of this discussion in that, I think one of the justifications that might be made for free expression of sexuality in whatever you know form mm-hmm. um, would be this idea that you know what well, it's not hurting me and the person I'm with is not hurting them him mm-hmm. her whatever so like how could it be wrong like we're both we're both complicit in this we both mm-hmm. enjoy it and uh, even if it doesn't last you know it's fine like if we move on to other partners later it's fine well here's the thing your creator knows more about your design than you do mm. and so if I was to sit back and say well you're shortchanging yourself. God has something better planned for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you continue on in this, when you finally, if you finally ever reach that better thing he had, you actually may be polluting it even now through your activity mm-hmm. so that by the time you do get the version he intended, um, it's not going to feel as fulfilling for you because you violated it earlier. Right. And I think that's something to keep in mind is that God's the creator of it. He has a perfect way this is supposed to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows all the good stuff that's there. He put it there. Right. Uh, but it is, it is best used in a particular context. Yeah, and it and it absolutely ignores the context and idea of soul being right. linked to the 
the body. That's right. And yeah. so the things that we do in the body are not completely disconnected to the things that our soul feels. That's right. And things that our spirit feels. And so when someone engages in that, maybe even, uh, you know, hopefully they come to Christ, but before that even, the damage that can be done to, to the heart and right. to the soul, those things, and then you can look back and realize, I wish I'd never done that. Oh, sure. And that's what you hear all the time from well, people who have converted. They're like, I wish that I hadn't gone that deep into sin. We had a, um, a student function here where our uh, youth pastors were speaking to the students, and I forget who was talking exactly, uh, but they gave this illustration, which I thought was amazing. So they took two pieces of paper. Were you there when they did this? Do you? I don't know if you heard I don't. This. I don't remember this. So they took two pieces of paper, and then they glued them together. And then they let the glue kind of set, mm -hmm. and then they did this teaching, and then uh, later they were like, "Okay, let's let's pull apart the paper. Who can who can pull apart the paper?" And so they they go to take these two pieces that have been glued together, and as they they pull them apart, of course they just tear and they rip, yeah. uh, and they're they look horrible afterwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so they made this comment. And they said, "You know, this this is what sexual intimacy outside of the context of marriage does to you. Mm. That you've brought two things together, you've begun to form this intense bond, and then mm -hmm. when you tear it apart, it just destroys you. And and so the idea would be then that all, if you have a, 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 a number of sexual liaisons, and you're pursuing this as a type of fulfillment, what you're really doing is damaging yourself and others over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the idea that you, you're polluting something that in the future would have looked much different had you Mm -hmm. uh, taking the steps that you're taking now. And so I, it becomes a, a great visual for a, um, a warning. Absolutely. And it's even, and this is one of the fascinating things about this topic, is that it is these are not just things for Christians in the church. This was something that God gave to all of humanity. That's right. And so even to the non-believer who could be listening to this or as we discuss the subject um, and talk about it, it even affects them. Right. And, and that even for the non-believer God's intention is marriage, even right. if it's a non-believer or non-believer, that's still going to have a better outcome uh, than running, you know, with it on your own speed and, and trying to figure it out yourself and having multiple partners and, and getting that pollution, kind of like we talked about. Yeah, you know, and this takes me back to Genesis chapter 1. So in Genesis mm -hmm. chapter 1, uh, you, have a, you have a discussion of the purpose of sexuality to some regard. Uh, is we've, we're given this command to go be fruitful and multiply. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and of course, I always think that's probably one of the reasons God made it really fun. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I suppose it's, it, guys always think it's fun because they're not having the babies, <laughs> I suppose. That's probably why women after a while are just like, you know what, I'm done with this. Um, but uh, so it, like in Genesis 1, we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. multiply. But there's also the comment made um, that the two shall become one flesh. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as the two become one flesh, that for me really is the idea of the two things gluing together. And the word I would choose to use with that is intimacy, that there's mm -hmm. an intimacy that's intended uh, through the marital relationship. And a part of that is in the expression of uh, sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where you kind of find these things um, conflated together. You know, another scripture that I think about is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we get this call to flee from sexual immorality. Um, and uh, the verse actually says, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. Mm. but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Mm. And, you know, as I think about this, the, the thing that it reminds me of is that one of the reasons Christians are to abstain is because the person of the Holy Spirit indwells us, and you do not want to pollute your body, pervert your body, mm -hmm. um, because you're now a, a representation of the temple of God, so to speak. Uh, as the Spirit resides within you, and it's like, hey, don't believe the Spirit of God who dwells within you. And so I think for us that becomes a, a strong detriment, uh, you know, uh, spiritually for us to stay mm -hmm. away from it. Absolutely. And as we've talked about 
sexuality, you can't help but also talk about the idea of gender, mm -hmm. of male and female, That's and, right. and proper expression. That's right. They're in biblically speaking. So, w what do you think God's view of gender is? Yeah. So, I think now for me, well, before I go into this, I, let me say this: if you had told me years ago that we would come to a day when people are struggling with the concept of gender and what their gender is, mm. I would have thought you were crazy. I was like, you know, this is. Let's just, you know, put aside the, the easy visual uh, knowledge. I mean, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. grade school children can tell this. Um, but, but, you know, on a biological level, uh, you know, right. cro chromosomes tell us there's, there's mm -hmm. male and female. Um, and so uh, this is a, it's a weird thing for me. But just to, just to talk biblically about it, Genesis chapter 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so there's never been any other understanding in the church uh, in regard to what gender is. And actually, I would even argue this. Um, and I've heard counter arguments. But here, mm -hmm. you know, throughout the whole history of all of mankind, this has not ever really been an issue. Is, mm -hmm. you know, is there more than one gender? Now, I know people will say, well, there was a... There was this group years ago that they believed this. And somebody had said that to me. They were, they were highlighting some group of Egyptians that had believed mm -hmm. something or something like that. And uh, I said, okay, so just what you're using then as your criteria is if anybody prior to us has believed it, it must be true. Mm. And they're like, well, I don't know that I want to say that. And I was like, right. exactly, exactly. So, you know, just trying to you know, cherry pick some moment in history where people were confused. Yeah, no, so I think um, God's view of gender is pretty clear. Uh, male, female, um, there's, there's just two. And it's interesting when you, uh, with that quote from Genesis, that in his image, he created the male and female, but male and female are both in his image. And so that kind of brings up the question, is God male? Oh, that's, a, that's a great question. So uh, I was at a, a party my parents were hosting years ago, and I ran into this woman. I was just brand new in ministry. And she came up to me and she said, uh, oh, you know, I heard you're a minister. And I said, yeah. So we ended up in this conversation. And she was telling me she's a church-going woman, and she referred to God, and then she paused, and she said, well, he, she, it, whatever. And mm. that really struck me at the, at the time. I was like, what? what? So I paused. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> can, can you run that by me again? And uh, I said, you know, um, even Jesus referred to him as Father, so I think that is mm. the most natural uh, you know, ideas to re respond to his Father. I mean, th that's how he's always presented it in Scripture whenever somebody's addressing him. Uh, and it's not like he doesn't have tendencies of mothers there's that's mentioned mm -hmm. in scripture but whenever there's a direct reference to him he's called our our father and the mask it's, it's masculine it's always mm -hmm. masculine uh in fact the, the lord's prayer our father uh, mm -hmm. who is in heaven you know holy is your name so I, I would say we would always use male but but here's the thing so if a guy sits around like me and says oh okay so basically god's very similar to me thinks very similar to me i'd be like, oh, nope time out it's not mm -hmm. at all what i'm saying because if you remember, he creates man and woman in the image of God, male and female, he creates them. Mm -hmm. So there's a distinct part of who he is by way of composition that he has put into females that is not a part of males uh, naturally. And so he is a different type of masculine uh, figure, if you will. This is why I've always believed that in a marriage context, or even if you took just a generic um, you know, man and woman who are hanging out together consistently, mm -hmm. Like, that's when you have the best expression of uh, the composition of God, is when you have a man and a woman who are very close together. And, of course, it's never perfect because we're always broken and we always have, right. you know, stronger characteristics and, and that kind of thing. But, but there's something about that idea that, that God's male, yes, by the way we address him, but he's kind of a different version of male yeah. than we are. And his description of himself is simply, I am who I am. Right, yeah. To, to Moses in the burning bush. He's like, you know, who am I going to say sent me? He says, I am sent you. Right. It's, uh, it's so simple in that, in those two words, I am, but so infinitely complex right. as well. Right, yeah. 
And uh, one of the things that I thought of recently is you, you hear a lot about, you know, you should address someone by their preferred pronouns, right? right? To respect their decisions and things right. like that. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting because we see God who is the I am, mm-hmm. right? Neither male or female in his essence, but is simply who he is but has elected to use the masculine pronouns for right. himself. Right. And so even from an argument of, you know, you know, mother God or, you know, she, you really should use he even from that argument because he's decided to express himself in the masculine. So even from that side of the argument, the masculine pronoun is the proper one to use because that's the one that he is elected to use for himself. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's any biblical precedent for yeah. addressing God as female or otherwise, you know, he's, just scripture is just is pretty clear on yeah that part, yeah absolutely so now that we've kind of touched on the sexuality part and on the gender part why do you think culture has been allowed uh, to dominate this conversation and and why hasn't besides the nashville uh book their um statement, statement yeah, yeah mm-hmm. there hasn't seemed to be very much or even much since then mm-hmm. so why do you think uh the the church seems so quiet on this well, it, it's a struggle, I think, in the church to really talk about this. Now, there's a, I think there's a few things that really impact this. So we already know that culture is not naturally inclined to follow the things of the Lord, and so mm-hmm. they're always going to be pursuing, pursuing a different idea. So the expression of the three enemies that we have in the church, the world, the flesh, and the devil, like if you're outside of Christ, um, you know, you're just assailed by that. You do the things you want. You're influenced by the people around you, and um, that we have this... Uh, intelligent evil that works against against us um, directly and so but that even works its way into the church and mm-hmm. you know in in the church just because we love Jesus doesn't mean we don't have temptations and so uh, we're already prone to give into the flesh from time to time you can ask any young uh, couple that's dating who are Christians uh, or or an engaged couple even worse uh, who are Christians who are just have this passion burning within them uh, so we already know that our own flesh is working against us mm-hmm. and, and the message of the world is it's not that big a deal you know it's like it's just not it's not and then even the church sometimes well God can forgive and and so we kind of dismiss this we can take it lightly uh, and then this intelligent evil that works against us and so all of those things kind of come into this and I would say that's where things just get really messy. I think if you're a church and you want to speak to this, um, you stand up. If, as soon as you start stepping into anything that touches on politics and you start to identify uh, genders as God's prescribed them, um, or uh, you begin to address the topic of homosexuality, uh, or you begin to address the idea of abortion, which would be connected to this in some way, mm-hmm. uh, just this whole idea of like as soon as you do, you'll get, you'll get assailed. I mean, I am in a, we, we, we are in uh, this church that you know, the people that come here pretty much know what we believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, it is generally true that whenever I bring up any of these topics, I will get some sort of very uh, frustrated email or I'll get a phone call or a text. Uh, and you're sitting there going like, you guys, you guys know what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet I think probably as a pastor, you just get so much of that and you're like, okay, you know, I'm done. I'm not, I'm going to stick to safer topics and I'm just not going to venture into this realm anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I would say too, just even in the church, you want to be accepted by the world around you. And so you're prone to try to, as much as possible, buy into what they believe because you want to be affirmed by them mm-hmm. and to be seen as normal. And um, after a while, I think the more longer you walk with God, you just realize that's just not an option. I'm just, I'm always mm-hmm. going to be askew and weird. And so then I would just say, okay, well then don't be a jerk about what you believe. That's, yeah. that'd be my encouragement for the church is just to say, I think address these topics directly, but just don't be a jerk about it. But it's, yeah. it's really hard to walk that line. Absolutely. And that's where we get to, you know, Jesus talks about love others as I have loved you first. And you see him uh, address the woman at the well who's in sexual sin. And he doesn't come hot out the gate and just hit her with it and make her feel bad and shame her and attack her, but he speaks to her. Right. And he meets her where she's at. Right. Um, 
and encourages her and he's like i you know i get it i know but you know go and sin no more and and he's so loving and he offers her life and, and life in the fullest and living water right um and the church should be doing that as well so even though we take a different stance in the world that doesn't mean that we're uh, aggressive or rude or mean-spirited about it it means right. you know, we have a different option for you and it's living water you know we have yeah. a, a satisfying option for you right now i agree and that's that's the idea that we struggle with from time to time of showing grace and kindness mm. without judgment to uh, those who aren't following Christ. I mean, it's a very different conversation if you profess a love of Jesus and then you live in some way counter to that. Mm. You and I have a particular conversation. But if somebody comes in like off the street and they're walking in this church, let's say uh, two men walk in holding hands mm -hmm. uh, or two women come in holding hands and you can tell they have a, a different kind of relationship. You know, there I know there would be the tendency to some to shun them or to run up and rebuke them and uh, this is where I'd say, okay, we hold off on that. You know, that's mm. not, uh, their issue right now is not the way they're living their life. The issue right now is uh, they need Christ. And mm. so let's focus on that. And, um, you know, all those other things get dealt with. But it's, you know, I heard a guy say one time, you know, you don't have to take a bath before you take a shower. That mm. is, um, you've got to go through um, a cleansing, a soul cleansing. Um, but the way you're living your life right now is really a secondary issue. Uh, the primary issue now is that we've got to connect you to Christ. Absolutely. And Jesus loves you enough to meet you where you're at, just like he did that one when he loves you enough to not leave you that way. Right. Either when you become a Christian, there's going to be some life transformation. That's I right. think that that's also a big thing. You, you, you touched on this, that idea of, you know, if you're a believer and you're living some way counter mm -hmm. um, to the gospel of Christ uh, and, and to what he has set out as proper for us. Right. Um, whether it be sexual sin or any other kind of sin. That's right. And those are things that we need to, to discuss because sometimes I think the tendency in the church can be to uh, focus too much on one type of sin right. and give a hand wave to sure. various other kinds. Oh, so, you know, well, I don't even know if I should say anything. Well, let me let me not go. I've got an illustration I could use that would instantly get us some emails, so let me just skip that one. Mm -hmm. um, but let's Wisdom. Do, yeah, that's right. But let's do talk about... Um, uh, the struggle with homosexuality, I think, in the mm -hmm. church. And it, like it's some sort of unique sexual sin to any other sexual sin. Mm. So it's almost like, I would think, and yeah, i got to be careful here because it's so easy to to caricature the church and attack it. Um, mm. and, and so I don't want to do that. But I think sometimes it would be easier if uh, a homosexual couple comes into the church to, to have this immediate visceral reaction, like, oh, we, you know, we got to address this, we got to, you know, confront. Um, but if a young couple walks in who maybe is engaged and they're coming in from outside the church, they're holding hands, they sit next to each other, you know, you're not automatically going to think, you know, there's probably something worldly going on there. Mm. But it's, it, could, it could be, probably is the same kind of thing. Like they're probably yeah. caught up in sexual sin as Absolutely. well. And, uh, and so it's still the same thing. And so to, to mischaracterize one as worse than the other uh, would be a gross exaggeration. Um, and misuse of um, maybe accountability within the mm. church. But I, I would say this. So to talk about homosexuality clearly, because I do think a number of Christians are really confused on this mm. topic or mm -hmm. struggling with this topic. Uh, and then, of course, there are people who are struggling uh, with homosexuality as well. And so it's kind of a mixed bag. So the first thing is just to make sure that we understand truth. And the truth of Scripture, as it's been said numerous times, and in particular Romans 1 is where I tend to direct people to, um, that homosexuality is not a viable lifestyle for a Christian, that that's, mm -hmm. a, that's an aberration, it's sexual sin, uh, you're not supposed to do it. Um, and then, then there's this reference even in 1 Corinthians 6. In 1 Corinthians 6, um, Paul is speaking to this church, and he says, Or do you not know uh, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, uh, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, uh, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. 
That's so, a list right there. It's a, it's a big <laughs> list. It's a big list. But but he just says it's basically like you were all sinful. But he includes mm. in the list some of you, some of you were homosexuals, and uh, and then he said. But this thing was you used to be that, but you chose different. Mm. So the the lie we're sold in our society is that if you're born that way, that that's normal, natural. You should just be that way. You're God designed to be that way. Mm. Uh, but we really don't apply that in a lot of other areas where somebody says, well, I was born this way. Uh, I, was, I was born a thief. I know, exactly. Like, well, yeah. I would like my car keys back. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need you to choose otherwise. You know? yeah. uh, I was born to naturally hate other people, so I attack mm-hmm. them. Like, no, we, we, we counter that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, it, but I would say, if somebody says, well, hey, I was born this way, well, we're all born broken. And mm-hmm. um, it would just like, it would be, you know, me growing up as a heterosexual, just saying, you know, like from a very young age when I discovered girls, uh, that I progressively wanted to do inappropriate things, biblically speaking, with women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's got to be controlled as well. And so, um, so I think the first part of the story is um, that it's sinful. Now, the second part is like, I would say this kind of bifurcated anyway, like how does the church respond? And then uh, just in general to culture, but then how would we respond in particular to an individual who says they struggle with that? Mm. And just in our church story, uh, we've had a lot of um, encounters with people who struggle with this. And so again, I go back to grace and kindness, just mm. that you immediately, like, it's basically just somebody coming up and saying, hey, I struggle with sin. And we would all go like, hey, I get it. I struggle with sin. Like, what's your sin? Let's talk mm-hmm. about it and let's unpack it. And so uh, one of my favorite stories is a woman who came here. And it's a much longer story, so I'm going to condense it. Uh, but a woman who came here is a practicing lesbian and asked if she could still come to church here, even though she knew we believed differently about that. Mm. Uh, so she and I met one-on-one and we had a long conversation about it. And at the end of the conversation, she said, you know, I disagree with you, but I would still like to come to church here. And I said, well, of course, we're not, we want you to be here. <laughs> we want, right. to, want you to fellowship with us, hang out with us, be a part of the family uh, as much as possible. But, of course, you can't join uh, in membership uh, because that's uh, reserved for those who uh, will agree uh, with us in, in regard to Scripture. And so uh, after a period of time, uh, one morning we were up and I shared the gospel and we were doing baptisms. And we just said, listen, if anybody this morning would like to respond uh, to the good news of Jesus, how he frees us from our sin, forgives us, uh, and start a relationship with him. Just, you know, stand up, come forward, uh, we'll pray with you, and if you'd like to be baptized today, we'll do it. Mm. And uh, during that service, that woman stood up and came forward, and wow. literally in the moment, you know, I had like tears in my eyes, and mm. uh, but she went and met with one of our pastors and said that she wanted to uh, find forgiveness for her sins, and uh, gave her life to Christ. And uh, the really cool part of that story for me is that, uh, you know, within the next year or so, uh, I did her marriage to a man, Mm. And they have now been happily married for years and are serving in wow. this church. And that's just one story. There are several other stories in this church of people who uh, just chose otherwise. Though their inclinations were one way, they chose otherwise. And I really don't think it's that much different from a heterosexual who has inclinations to have numerous sexual relationships, mm-hmm. uh, but chooses otherwise. And uh, and for those who get married, they choose fidelity to one person, though they may be inclined to something else. So we are not victims uh, to our emotions, that we have power over our emotions and our inclinations. And that's the one thing I would think that um, society has missed, our culture has missed, our non-Christian culture has missed. Um, and then, you know, in the midst of this, again, just a, a reminder to the church to be to be gracious to people who are struggling with that. That's a mm. normal struggle, I think, for, for many mm-hmm. people. And uh, just to meet them in it and, and try to coach them through it. Absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, that's an amazing story. Um, my dad has a similar story that he told me once uh, about it, which is amazing to see that the Spirit work in, because it's the Spirit's job to convict, right? And the Spirit will work on people. It's our job to profess Christ um, and to edify the body, encourage the body as we walk alongside one another. But one of the things that I'm reminded of is even if, um, that woman gave her life to Christ and then hadn't gotten married 
to a man but had decided to remain single mm-hmm. and just say, you know what, this is what I'm called to. I'm called to singleness now. Right. The emphasis on our culture is that sexuality is what defines your very being. Mm. Yeah. And Jesus looks at that and he says, let me define your every being. Mm. And it's no longer your sexuality that defines who are, who you are, but your spirituality defines who you are. Right. Um, and that is the full expression of humanity is not, you know, the part of the whole, which is sexuality, but the whole, which is our spirit. And, and let that be our definition sure. of who we are. You know, it's interesting because one of the things I think somebody might come to us and talk about is a struggle with their gender or their sexual identity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so if somebody came to me really, and this has happened a number of times, it's not like this is some obscure, you know, know, if this ever happened, I mean, this has happened to me many times where somebody comes up and is struggling with that and just wants to talk to me and genuinely hear from a biblical perspective. And of course, with grace and kindness, I try to interact with them. But at some point I would say this, you know, if somebody says, well, I feel like I have same sex inclinations or I'm really wrestling with my gender identity at this point, what would you say to me? And I would say, well, you're going to have to make a decision on whether or not you trust God. Mm. You know, and, and for me, trust, the trust of the Lord is, it goes back to the original sin, you know, that, that Adam and Eve ate the fruit and they disobeyed and they were kicked out of the garden. Like that all revolved around the idea of trust. Like, did they mm-hmm. trust God enough to believe him or did they not? And since they didn't, they sinned against him and, and chose otherwise. And so I think at some point you've got to look back and say, okay, I have been designed by God to be a man or a woman. And I'm just going to trust him in that, even though I struggle with my feelings. And culture tells me something completely different. Mm. But I guarantee you this, if you will trust the Lord and walk in his ways, you will be richly rewarded and you will find a fulfillment you never thought you could have. And uh, and for me, that's one of the myths of these movements, is that it, the idea is that if somebody would just finally affirm me, then I could be released to be who I'm supposed to be, and I would feel free and fulfilled. And I would say, that's a lie. Uh, that's deception. That, that No, the only time you're really going to be free and fulfilled is when, as a created being, created by God, uh, you begin to walk in the way that he's created you to operate. Mm. And when you operate within um, the the owner's instructions, that you will be most fulfilled and gratified and um, and so that's, again, I would just come back to say, let's, let's trust God in this and let's take steps in that direction. Absolutely. And you have to take Jesus at his word when he says, I came to bring life and life in the fullest. He knows what he's talking about. He knows who he's talking to That's right. as well. And he knows I can offer you something better than what you could ever imagine. But the question is, will you trust me? Sure. And I think that's, that's a really good point uh, and place for us to kind of uh, end the conversation for today. But I mean, this is such a wonderful platform and building ground for us to go out and build on this throughout the podcast through these next two, three weeks. Sure. Um, and it's exciting. And I think that uh, one of the things you talked about that I, that I want to remind our listeners of is that you can hear two different approaches to this concept, right? You said, you know, when the church addresses the culture at large in the world, and then also when the church engages with the individual. Mm, um, and so sometimes when you hear the church talk to the culture, it can be pretty strong right. because we have to hold to our scriptural truth and, and that this is what we believe and this is what God says and we have to, to say it. Right. But don't think that that's the exact same way that we're going to approach every single individual person. Mm-hmm. Just like you talked about when the person comes to us, love, compassion, grace and fellowship and say, you know, of course you can still come and worship with us. Right. You know, we, we love everyone here and we want you to enjoy worshiping the Lord. And so and just like Jesus, you know, we'll take you where you're at 
And just like Jesus did for us, he won't leave you that way, and we won't leave you that way either. We're, we're right. going to love you. Right, and I think, I think in particular the church has an opportunity here in this generation, probably with every generation, but in this generation, to speak openly about all of these issues. And I wish they would. It would certainly clear mm. up a lot of confusion. Uh, and the confusion it doesn't clear up, at least you're stirring up the right nest, you know, that, that we need mm. to be sharing truth, even if it's not embraced or received. Uh, I think we need to do that. Plus, if a pastor were to stand up and say, I'm going to spend the next four weeks talking about sex, I'll see you on Sunday, they would pack the house for the next four weeks. Mm. I mean, like, people yeah. would like, like, they would love people to hear about hear it. People want to hear about they it. They want to hear about it um, mm-hmm. because it is so celebrated. It is sung about. It's written about. It's in all our TV shows and our movies. Uh, it's in the heart of every person to be loved, uh, to be truly loved, and then to truly love someone else in return, to experience that real intimacy. Mm. And so at the, at the heart of that, there will always be some sort of sexual expression, expression ultimately in, in God's design uh, when people come together as husband and wife. And so... Uh, Although, let me just be careful, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can't be single. I mean, you know, right. God, God does call some to single and uh, singleness. But, yeah, I think this is uh, an opportunity and a moment for the church. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, we hope you guys benefited from this conversation. I know it was a joy for me to, to take part in. And so we look forward to these next couple weeks uh, talking about these subjects. Like, subscribe, share with a friend. And, you know, these are conversations that we're having because we, we hope that they edify you and help you walk in your call as a Christian, or maybe find out who Christ is more. So have a wonderful day and thanks for tuning in.